Hello and good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Main Point. This is Monday, June the 6th, 2022. And we are here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, associate pastor here at Rose of Sharon, and I'm joined with the rest of our pastoral staff, Jeremiah Custer, our student pastor, our children's pastor, Blake Flincham, and our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. And we, uh, we welcome you here with us this morning. We're glad that you're here. Um, and we, uh, we do this, whether you're here or not, <laughs> we, we come together and talk about the Sunday sermon uh, that we heard uh, on the Sunday previous, whenever we do this. Sometimes it's on Monday, sometimes it's on Wednesday. Well, today, it just happens to be on a Monday. And uh, we are going to talk about the Sunday sermon we heard just yesterday from Jeff. And that sermon is called A Lesson from Isaiah in Crisis Management. Um, that sounds like a TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the title of that. But um, there, there, there's good reason for that. And um, they're, 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 I think they're, the, the best way to put this one is, the, the, for starters, the text came from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Uh, really, if you're, if you're familiar, if you're a Bible scholar, that's a very famous passage. That's the great throne room passage that where Isaiah is in the throne room and sees the Lord high and lifted up and as train fills the, the temple and, and all. Uh, it's, it's, and, and it has it, it, in that uh, we hear Isaiah say the words, um, you know, I, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And, uh, and then that's also where we get the famous, um, you know, who, who will go, who, you know, and, and Isaiah says, you know, here I here am I, send me, all that. They, we, and, and there's been tons of messages preached off of Isaiah 6. But I find it interesting because... Um, well, I can give you some background, kind of how I felt like the Lord was leading me there. Yeah, I, well, I, I was going to... What I was going to do, and, and I actually do want to hear that, um, uh, because I think part of what... Part of what sort of drove this, this message, um, it, it's not... I, I want to I want to be I want to clarify here a little bit because I think that the the current events that are going on in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, if you're aware of that listener, um, uh, that have been all in the news and such. While uh, you could have preached a message just about that, right? That's not really what you did, uh, mm-hmm. but rather what you what you did was you used that as a platform for a message that I think is actually universally applicable, whether or not you even knew about what was going on in the SBC. And um, so while, while the, the news and the things that are going on in the SBC um, uh, and the Southern Baptist Convention is, is uh, certainly important and very relevant to, to, uh, to this message, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, there's not a necessary link there, like you know that, um, and and I and I think it served as more of um, a vehicle to get the message across. But I'm cur- I am curious as you're as you're hearing about the stuff that's coming out with the SBC, and you're thinking, well, I need to address this somewhere from the pulpit so that I, you know, so our people, so we can get out in front of it, so that our people are not just getting their information from news feeds and what whatnot. Um, and then you can talk, and you know, I know you wanted to talk about. Okay, what's our response? What's our role in all this, right? Um, so God sends you to Isaiah uh, six, which is interesting. I think it works, by the way. Um, but yeah, give us a little bit of background in your thought process there, Jeff. Well, of course, you know, like all of us, 
we kind of keep up on things happening. Uh, I'm not like none of us are real SBC junkies where we go to the conventions all the time and we're up on all the stuff, but we are informed and we do try to keep uh, yeah keep abreast of things. And um, so when the report came out, you know, uh, I'm like everybody else. Uh, I hear things, but I want to I want to see for myself. And so I basically spent time that afternoon. Uh, and just started reading over it and and as I began to read it I, I felt grief is what I felt mm-hmm. and um, grief that felt like because of what happened but it was also like a grief of someone that had died you know because yeah. yeah, I'm really acquainted with grief right now from last year and as I was thinking about that I mean the, the thing that thought that came to my mind was 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 that woe is me for I'm undone I'm I'm a man of unclean lips surrounded by people with unclean lips. Yeah. And so I had this grief and this lament in my spirit. And I thought about that Isaiah passage. And then I thought about, well, you know, it starts off in the year King Uzziah died. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and, and I didn't want to do a message just all about this, this doom and gloom of this report, but to say, okay, it's here. Let's deal with it and let's try to be better. At, at taking care of this problem, but then what are what are we what are we here for anyway? Right, you know, it's it's to present the gospel and do it in a way that we're not just we're just not um, trying not to um, um, you know, just hey, I'm going to cover this topic and then push it to the side. Now let's get on to this. So I felt like it was a way for us to kind of look at our own selves, look at our what we're supposed to be here for, and then how we how we move forward. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was the it was basically the lament, and then we went to that prayer meeting where, where lament was part of it. And um, so it was good that that happened before this message because it was really it really helped me uh, fortify. You know, this is the direction to go in. And basically, Isaiah was in a crisis situation. Mm-hmm. They had a good king. He abused his power, and now all of a sudden he's dead. And now how do we move forward? And God had to show him that, look, good kings are going to come and go. Mm-hmm. And I just dealt with the Judah kings. But mm-hmm. when you had Israel kings, you know, there were tons right. of them. And so I'm on the throne. Now, the thing is turn people from looking at their kings for salvation and putting all their hope and trust in an earthly king to looking to me, mm-hmm. uh, the Messiah. And the fact that Uzziah went in there as king to try to be priest, he was trying to usurp a role or trying maybe to be the Messiah, mm-hmm. this uh, priest king, when, which that was not his role, mm-hmm. which then points to, when you look at the New Testament, all those passages that I used pointed back to, no, he's talking about Jesus high and lifted up on this throne. Yeah, he's yeah. the priest king. He's the one that can take away our sins. He can, he's the one that can heal us and all that. Yeah, And, uh, and then so we have this message and it's going to be hard to deliver, like you talked about. It's going to be even harder now, but we still have to focus on what the message is. So that was kind of the whole, what was going on in my spirit to kind of lead me to this passage. And I knew, like, right off the hand, is like, you know, probably nobody else probably would have thought of using that particular passage, but maybe there are other people who are. But because yeah. I've always heard it where people get into the minutiae of the seraphim mm-hmm. and, all, and all the stuff going on. And so I've heard, you know, tons of different messages, all different directions about this passage. So right. to me, it was kind of a good, all right, let's acknowledge it. Let's try to heal from it, grieve it, admit it, work with people. And then now let's get refocused on, yeah. on the gospel. I always look at Isaiah 6 as a missional passage. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's the mm-hmm. message that I always walk yeah. away from with it is that 
at the end of the day, I mean, that's that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to prepare someone to do the work that He's that He's He's called them out to do. And so, yeah, I think I think it works really well. Let, let's start with um, something you just mentioned, though. And, and you, your your first point in, in the message was that our leaders can and will fail us. And I think that's I think we all know that. I mean, we all live in this culture right now where. Uh, politicians, uh, you know, like we were talking about yesterday, with career politicians, right? And and how some people elevate those people up on pedestals, and they'll just vote for them no matter what. They'll, they'll um, and then, you know, um, those those people make decisions that do fail us. They, you know, there's lots of empty promises that that are made during election season, during campaign season, and stuff, and then uh, they fail to come through or. We see in cases of people that we thought that were were, you know, had impeccable character. Uh, suddenly, uh, their character comes in, uh, you know, into question. Um, and we've seen that um, even within the, uh, um, uh, even within our own convention, even within leaders, even before this report came out. I mean, we can all name names. We won't here because I don't think there's any any good in that. We can all name names of people that we had looked up to, um, uh, and then things come out about what they were doing, and it just devastates you. So our leaders can and will fail us. Um, and then you, you mentioned that, you know, in the year that he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, right? And, and it and it made me think, Jeremiah, like if. Part of the reason why Isaiah is able to do all the things that we're going to see him do, lament, confess, receive that grace and forgiveness, go and tell, be, fulfill the mission, right, is because he sees the Lord. If he had just seen Uzziah or just had his eyes focused on Uzziah, right, I think that there's far less chance that he would have lamented and confessed and all those things, right? If, if, if his eyes uh, remain on Uzziah, then uh, he's not going to be compelled to lament or confess. In fact, it's the vision that he sees of the Lord high and exalted and lifted up that causes him to lament, confess, and all those things. And so I think, I think there's a lesson even in that, that when, when we put our eyes on our our leaders, when we put our focus on our leaders and uh, or our people that we look up to, that's not that's probably not going to lead us to lament and confess. Did you, you get what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I, I think I think that it's only when our eyes are are properly trained on God that this that these kind of things happen. Yeah, I think uh, it's like there's two there, when you when you look at our leaders. And you're trying to put your trust in them, uh, which there's a lot of talk right now uh, about trying to hold our leaders accountable, not not necessarily for the SBC, but I mean, uh, wider scope for the school shootings. Yeah. Um, right. And so everyone's like, our, our leaders have let us down again. Let's hold them accountable. And right. so when you look at like leaders, human leaders, um, instead of leading to lament and uh, repentance and those types of things, what it leads to is blame, frustration, frustration, protest. Yeah. Um, and so it's important, yeah, rather than 
if, 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 if lamenting is the goal and repentance is the goal and turning to Christ is the goal, then it must be you, you must look at, at God because it's much, much harder to place. I think some people try to place blame on him, but it's much harder to place blame on him. And then like the second thing with that is, is if you think you're commissioned by these leaders and then they fall, that's mm-hmm. going to cause problems with your purpose, with your mission. Right. right. But I think it's important here that Isaiah is not commissioned by a king. He's not commissioned by Uzziah or what is it, Ahaz that's next? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, it was, um, it's not Amaziah, is it? No, it's, no, it's like Uzziah, then Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. Jotham. Okay, so Jotham or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's not, he's not being commissioned by, and I don't think he's ever been commissioned by a king. He was always commissioned by God, by, by his Savior. And so keeping his eyes focused there helps him to, to be more inward focused on his lamenting, but also understanding his purpose is greater than, right. let's say this king falls, my purpose is still still to glorify God. It's still to serve the true king on the throne. Right. And, and Blake, there was plenty of distractions for Isaiah here because <clears throat> you, if, if you just remember historically, um, this, is, this is right before, I mean, Isaiah is doing all of his prophecy and stuff right before all the exile happens. And we have, we have the threat of outside invaders coming. We have not only the threat of outside invaders, but we have a, a basic going away from of God's people from doing things the way that they're supposed to with the right heart and with the right attitude. And so there's lots of places that Isaiah could have gotten distracted. Um, Isaiah could have put his eyes on those things and then seen all this crisis going on in his culture at the time and said, okay, Uzziah, do something about this. Or okay, you know, next next king, do something about this. And, and if he had done that, again, I think that like what Jeremiah was saying, you wouldn't have... You wouldn't have this. This you certainly wouldn't have a, a commission, and he might have gotten discouraged, right? I mean, there's a lot, but I mean, there's a lot of. You can see that this is a, a bit of an analog to where we are right now. I mean, there's lots of turmoil in our culture right now. Jeremiah just brought up the school shootings and uh, the gun violence. We, we're seeing that. The stuff even in our SBC stuff. Um, there's there's you know there's there's all kinds of turmoil. There's still sort of racial turmoil in our country right now. There's still political turmoil in our country right now. And so there's all of this stress and all these things. And we as, as ministers can easily get distracted and by all that stuff. And we could turn our eyes to political leaders and we could turn our eyes to, to those people. But uh, um, ultimately, you know, uh, if, if, if we really want to make a difference, I think we have to turn our eyes to, towards, towards God. Yeah, absolutely. I, Isaiah had a I think he had a hard he had a hard ministry (laughs) because he had you know I think you know you look at any of the major prophets here you know you've got you've got guys who were in some desolate witnessing in some detestable really Mm -hmm. just some detestable people Mm -hmm. like Ahaz and through these people and well almost all the Israelite kings are wicked kings aren't they yeah Yeah. if I remember right pretty much all the Israelites are and then about half of Judah's. Own. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah. All, I, and even, you know, Uzziah was a, I mean, the Bible says he was a good king right. up until this point when, and the, I think the point I made about him was he had this authority, yeah. but he tried to use his authority to, to, to get more, get more power, usurp authority, mm-hmm. which I think when you look at SBC, what happened there, I think it all boils down to that, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, 
if you're a pastor of a, a big, either a big mega church or even a small church, I mean, people put you on a pedestal and you have you have sway and you can have uh, influence and then you can abuse that. Uh, I mean, we see it all the time. We, some, you know, in this case, it was sexual abuse, but I mean, people abuse it for money. Oh, yeah. Um, other sorts of things were, sure. um, you know, you see, you see all kind of abuse of authority there that, that people try to usurp. Yeah, and if you think about it, um, going back to you, Blake, if you think about it, like Uzziah's death actually creates a vacuum, and, and, and it's at that point that suddenly there's no one to look towards anymore, anymore right? There's, right? And so sometimes it's the fall of these leaders. It's, it's, it's actually the fall of the leaders or the removal of the leadership that gives us opportunity then to refocus our attention where it should be all along. Yeah, and you even see the Lord's sovereignty working through that that creates that vacuum here and it gives you know Isaiah a chance to um, be commissioned. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, if he would have been commissioned by one of these kings, I mean, I feel like he would have gone away. I mean, he would have had every right to. But he has an encounter with the Lord that's really astounding. Right. When you look at it here, and that's a you, when you've seen what he saw in that vision, mm. that's something like you don't forget. That's true. And you don't forget, and you remember the glory, you remember the majesty of it, and you remember the one who has called you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he sees here, and he's even you know even humble before God's like, look, I, I'm a man of unclean lips, and. But right. he, uh, but God does like the qualifying for him, mm-hmm. and he's able to go out and do that because of the person of the Lord that he sees in this, yeah. in this vision here. Before I leave this topic on 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 leaders that 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 fail us, um, I know, and again, I'm not going to name names here, but I know Jeremiah from just talking to you before in the past. I mean, you you had you had you've had a professor that you really admired. Um, that taught you, taught you spiritual disciplines, if I remember right. Yeah. And and um, and then had a moral failing, and I remember how much that actually shook you, uh, and and it really bothered you. Um, I mean, talk about that a little bit about what happens when 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 our leaders do fail us. I mean, uh, I was spiritually mature at the time. Uh, so it wasn't like I was wavering in my faith or anything. No, Cause, no, Because no. that, I think, would play into this. Like, I think if you're kind of iffy on your faith, um, that that hits you a lot harder. Um, but it did hit me pretty hard. And it's because of the sub- subject matter that this particular professor, and because of the closeness to when it was taught to me. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you, it was taught to me. Like, for instance, Jeff mentioned uh, Paige Patterson yesterday in the sermon. But he's, what, 20 years removed from his leadership? Well, it was like less than a year right. removed. And, and he, was, he was an excellent teacher. Like what he taught from the Bible, and if you test it from the Bible, uh, was excellent stuff. Like I still believe it. But it's because I believe the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's not, but, but that's what I wrestled with. It was like, man, I have these books on my shelf from this guy. I have this teaching that I can remember, like I can remember him still to this day, giving the lecture and how I like how it impacted my life and how I felt, like mm-hmm. the motivation and the like, just the the aha moment of like, oh, that's okay, this makes sense, this is good. I need yeah. to 
I need to implement that in my ministry and in my personal life. And so it it just it just hurts because because we can't help but do this as humans. We want to look at someone and we want to be like, I want to be like them mm-hmm. someday. Like I want to I want to have the influence that person has and then to see them have it all, everything that you want. And then they abuse it. And that's it just hurts. And it's a it's a hard process to get through. Um, but the, the the goal, I mean, the, the remedy is the same as what Uzziah says, and the same thing we need to do with the SBC, and the same thing with the school shootings. The remedy for me is always I gotta trust in Christ. I gotta trust in the word. Right. Um, and if you lean on those things, it's not gonna fail you. And so Honestly, I'm somewhat encouraged when leaders fall because uh, I embrace change. And sometimes I think change needs to happen. Mm. Not that I, w- I want the downfall of people. I, I don't want that. But, but what it does is hopefully it should draw us closer to Christ, who mm. we know is not going to change, who we know we can trust. Yeah, And it just, I think change does that. It, 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 it gets you into an uncomfortable spot. Um, that allows for you to 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 refocus on mm-hmm. the main thing, which I think you talked about last week. Jeff talked about this week. I'll probably talk about it this coming week. Right. Uh, just focusing on Christ and focusing on His mission and His purpose for my life. Yeah. And not not pursuing like for me, uh, there is a kind of a struggle of I want to pursue that influence. Like I want to have the influence that some of these guys have, but at the same time. I just want to serve Christ. Yeah. Like, even if it's to five people. Right. Like, I want to be faithful to what he's called me to do. Yeah. I had a, I had a pastor who, um, no, this was years ago, who said, <clears throat> who preached a message that always resonated with me, that um, even though the messengers are often flawed, the message never is. Right. Mm. And That's good. Yeah, it, it is. Because... What we're tempted to do sometimes, I think, is is equate those things together, right? We equate like the messenger with the message. And so when the messenger falls, we think, well, the message fell too. And if the messenger was preaching the the message, like you said, the word, right? It's not the message. The messenger's influence is certainly going to be on you, right? I mean, you can't help that. But it's really the influence of the message that is what drove you and what really like, you know, pricked your heart, you know, in the in that in that in that classroom, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And so it's the message still is true, um, even when the messenger falls. And I think about I think in, that's it, that's true in terms of of lots of of people that I've you know I, you know I, I'm uh, one of one of the ones that that comes to my mind. And you guys know I'm a, I'm a big apologist, and when. And whether or not it was true or not, and I know there's mm-hmm. been speculation, mm-hmm. but whether the, all the stuff came out about Robbie Zacharias, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a guy that I have for a long time uh, admired from afar and just thought, man, this guy has such a great grasp on using reason coupled with scripture to really advance the cause of the kingdom. And man, his ministry is so huge and he's just so well respected. And then, you know, of course, he passes away. Um, and everybody mourned that loss and, 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 you know, and we celebrated his life and then right afterwards find out all this stuff that, that came out and it's like, what? 
and it's so bad. I mean, that, that's, you know, what, and we may never know whether or not it, it was true or not. Um, you know, I know there's been speculation one way or the other, but the, just the, the thought that, man, this could happen. And it does. It causes you to go, okay, well, do I trust anything that this guy said? Well, and I think that's why I titled that, you know, our leaders can and will fail us. Yeah. Because we are prone to put our trust in people and trust in leaders. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole political motivation back in the um, late 70s, the 80s. Israelites, of, the Israelites uh, did it, Jeff. Moral like, majority. If we can get our people elected, you know, then we can get our agenda. And so people start putting their faith and trust in political leaders and all. But, like, as soon as you get into politics, you're you're uh, you're uh, entering another phase of life that... that it's not really uh, bound by Christian uh, Christian principles. It's a whole different uh, ethic out there. Right. Well, I was, you know, you saying that made me think. I mean, the Israelites did it. They, they, they elevated Moses. They elevated Joshua. They elevated um, all these all these, you know, uh, leaders, guys that that uh, you know, over over God. Sometimes it feels like the Israelites worship Moses more than they worship God at times. You know what I'm saying? Well, and and I'm you know I'm reminded in. First Samuel, where the people wanted a king, right. and it's like ironic because they already had King Yahweh, right. you know, but they wanted a <laughs> human king. You know, yeah. they wanted somebody who, you know, they wanted like a leader for themselves. Correct. And they had totally forgotten that God was their leader. They yeah. had all that they needed. They had forgotten so much so that yeah. God Himself tells them, "Dude, you're not gonna like it." Yeah, yeah. He's like, this dude's gonna have all authority over you, authority to kill, to take a life. Yep. You're not gonna like it. They're like, ah, eh, we want it anyways. <laughs> yeah. So they ignored God's, because like I think that this is a whole. I'm probably gonna chase a rabbit here, but there's a whole thing in the scripture where God gives commands mm-hmm. and then God gives suggestions. Right. And like. I think we ignore the suggestions because it's not written in command form. But mm-hmm. God, God, there is suggesting. Look, you're not gonna like this dude. Yeah, and it's almost like he's like, "Do what you want, but I'm God." Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm yeah, your, yeah. I'm your real leader. You're not gonna like it, but I'm gonna let you do it. And, and even later, there was a problem because it says it was Saul of Benjamite, and there had already been a problem with the Benjamites there. Mm-hmm. So you already know that there's. This is already starting out on a terrible foot. If it yeah. hadn't already, right. this is going to be terrible. But yeah. they, you know, like Jeff was saying, we are prone to put our faith so, in human leaders. So, what are the thing about leaders and putting our trust and faith in them? Um, you know, as I was reading some of the reports and some of the things that have been coming out from not just the SBC, from from other from others as well. You know, that um, there was that video that got out of that church in Indiana it wasn't a Baptist church, but just heartbreaking video uh, from that church in, in Indiana. If you saw that news that leaked like, I think two weeks ago uh, about a pastor who had uh, abused his his office and was confronted at the church service by by his, by the victim of that and, um, and the church's response to that, all that was on that video and it was just a gut punch. Um, there's a, there is a bit of a danger not just in um, us uh, elevating these 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 leaders 
to the point where where we we're trusting them and listening to them so that when they fall, you know, we we fall too. But also, it when we elevate those leaders, Jeff, I think it it, it can um, allow uh, for us to um, excuse behavior and become victims of 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 a leverage of power mm-hmm. and a victim of abuse. I think about some of the stories that came out and one of the things that people were saying is, well, because what you're finding out is some of these people were abused by leaders in churches and then remained members of that church under those leaders. And it's like, how does that happen? How, how is that even possible that that would happen? That, you know, um, and, and, and they felt powerless to say anything. And, 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 and the only answer I have, man, is that all the people around them have elevated this person to a point that nobody feels like you can speak against them, right? Not only that, but uh, all the people uh, that that person themselves feels like, if I say anything about what was done to me and the abuse that I suffered mm-hmm. at this person's hand, I'm going to hurt the person that I've looked up to. Um, and so I don't want to cause any personal hurt. I don't want to cause any personal conflict. And then, too, I just think it's embarrassing for the victim as well. But, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's real difficult because you got... You, when, you're, when you're hearing something or you're, you're experiencing it, you got two uh, ways of looking at it. First, we're all pastors, so we're looking at it like, wow, I mean, what was me? You know, I, that right. could be me. And then we're also thinking about... Well, what if I was the victim then? Yeah. How am I going to handle it? And um, I think again, the whole the whole thing is if 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 I was um, the person that did the vic uh, the the vic the victimizer, right? And now I want to repent and get right with God. I mean, it's the same remedy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to look at it in just a few moments, right? And then if I'm, I'm the victim, it's the same remedy too. I can't put my focus and everything on what happened to him. I got to put my focus on Christ, and I can't put my focus on my sin. And I did this bad thing. I got to put my focus back on Christ. So, um, you know, like uh, my wife, you know, I, I tell her all the time, and you know, it's it's really just amazing that she and her brother and her sister are all in the church, and her brother's an actual pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, because their birth father, right? You know, was abusive and. Um, and he's a pastor still, mm-hmm. but he got remarried and all this other stuff. So, so I've kind of lived with with uh, some of that. And, right. and uh, even though Eileen is healed, um, you know, there's still some of that, uh, uh, you know, freshness of a wound, things like that that can yeah. happen sometimes. So that's why I wanted to be real careful in the message too, to not just focus on okay, these guys did bad, but now okay. Uh, how can we help the people? Because I know there there were probably women sitting there, maybe even men, that sometime in their life, if you go by the stats, more than likely they were, uh, you know, taken advantage of or molested or abused mm-hmm. in some sort of way um, in their childhood or young adulthood. Yeah. And um, so, so you gotta you gotta you gotta leave room at the table for them. Yeah, and so what happens is when we focus on just the leader all the time, it excludes like you were talking about the person that's sitting there thinking, "Well, what about me?" And nobody's there to help me and to help heal me. And I think that's really what the cry that came to the SBC is: these people wanted, they didn't really want revenge or anything. They just wanted some help and healing and um, 
just just um, you know acknowledgement. Yeah. Yes, this happened, and so I think that's where we're at in this crossroads right now is where we've acknowledged it now and now it's time for the healing part. I just, it would be, you know, I think about it. I put, I try to put myself in the shoes of someone who's, <clears throat> who's been a victim of that sort of abuse and it would be so difficult to, to, um, differentiate in my mind and in my spirit what happened to me and what this person stands for, the message that they stand for. Yeah, why for. did God allow this? Thing? Well, yeah, or not even that, but just I, you know, I put my trust in this person, and they're supposedly an ambassador of Jesus, right? And so they broke, they broke my trust, and they hurt me and abused me, and they stand for Jesus. And so you, the next logical step is that you know, either Jesus is false or what they preach is false, or um, I can't trust Jesus. I can't trust him. Um, I, and I, I mean, and I, I could, guys, I could see that very much being a real pro- problem. I have a close friend who had gone through some of this very same stuff that had gone out in the report. And this person at first had a very wavering trust, if you will, of pastors and leaders because of things like this Mm -hmm. and um you know a lot of times saying that you might not trust a pastor or if you've experienced that and say it's hard to get back into a church you can be looked at as like well you don't have faith or you're holding on to this but the emotional toll that takes on somebody is really tough and if we're honest with ourselves we as asbc in general and it's really a I'm glad you preached on this because it's really seen as like a taboo subject sometimes yeah um but standing with victims is something that's very very important and it can cause a lot of wavering trust for people and going back to you know it's almost like when somebody gets accused of this and there's a very good credibility that it did happen. Mm-hmm. There's still so much loyalty to that leader, thinking that they can do no wrong. It hurts the victim too, yeah. because it only adds to the shame and the guilt, and the it only adds to the "I knew I should have kept my mouth shut" mentality. When or, or it should not be that way, right? Or or maybe it leads to them feeling like that they they're they're the cause of what happened. Yeah, I'm you know, the, I'm, I actually caused this, and it and, can cause so much betrayal with uh, yeah, and it is betrayal of yeah. uh, so many friendships, and you risk all. And what's sad is if you confess what happened with somebody in authority, you risk public shame, humiliation, and that's why so many stay silent. And it's sad that that's, that's a lot of what the victim has to go through. Just yeah. in, not even in doing it, but just in the preparation of thinking about doing it. There's a stress that's yeah ridiculous. Well, yeah. because they're dealing with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah, you know? yeah. And because yeah, there's yeah. so much stress there. Yeah, and it's sad that the thing that that will serve as a trigger for them is going to be church life, you know, for some of these. That 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 it's going to be worship is going to be the trigger for that PTSD that they're going to have for the rest of their lives. And, and you know, um, uh, it's 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 just awful. And I, and and I, and I wonder, 
you know, I, I don't know because I, I, I've not experienced that. I've not been on that side of it. But I just wonder how, how difficult it will be for them to, 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 to heal to the point where they can worship freely in a house of worship and it not bring back those memories that they would be able to separate those things that have have been woven together for them that you know if if you thought for if you thought that worship you know if you if worship for you worship for me is a wonderful thing it's something i look forward to it's something and corporate worship something i look forward to every sunday getting together with brothers and sisters and being able to come together and worship god collectively and seek him and seek his word and seek his truth and all that that's awesome but if right. but if worship was somehow or another woven together with hurt and pain it's and suffering, harder, man, how much harder would it be for me to do that? And how how difficult is it then to untangle those threads so that and, and can they even ever be untangled? I, I can't speak to that because that's not happened to me. And it's hard for just some of the people I've talked to who have experienced that. It's hard for them to like distinguish you know like how do i be faithful in not forsaking the assembly but how do i not go into full-on panic mode yeah. while i'm there yeah, yeah. and because you don't want to be there and just be panicking the right. whole time like having an internal panic and that's what a lot of people of abuse feel uh-huh. and so yeah it's tough because that can be a trigger it's so like how do we help that you know how right. do we, you know well i think i think yeah. part i do think part of the remedy is here um in, 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 I don't want to. Um, I don't think it's 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 not it, it, like what we just talked about. It's not a simple process. But I don't it, it think there's to, one clear answer for every single case, either, right? You know? But it has to start with that first response that you mentioned, Jeff. Which, and then for us who are on the outside looking in, maybe those of us who have not been, because I I know I know the tendency for us is going to be, well, this happened. These these cases of abuse and stuff they didn't even happen here in our church. They didn't happen in our city. They're not happening in our. You know, there are only four cases that were even mentioned in our state. They don't have well, anything to really. Uh, to clarify, that was there were. Four, I think he said four of the cases in our state were people that didn't report. I thought he said there were only four. No, I, I think there's there's because there are others that are in our state. Oh, okay. Um, but I think I think what he meant to say of all the, of the ones in our state, four of them were this. So he was trying oh, okay. to warn people about you got to report it to. Right. Okay. Well, anyway. So, so I, yeah. The 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 point is though, you you might look at it and go, well, we're this doesn't really apply to me. I, I wasn't I wasn't involved in mm-hmm. any of these cases. I wasn't. So what's my response to this? What should my response to this be? Like I, you know, do, does this even matter to me? Is this even relevant to me? Because I, I wasn't involved in this, Jeremiah. You know, I mean, this was executive committee members, and and I don't even know what an executive committee is. I barely know what the SBC is. You know, <laughs> that's the average person who's sitting in the pew. And um, and so what what should our response to this be? Well, I think our response to this should be the same as our response to any sin is or any crisis is, right? Um, and, and I think that's really what Jeff was trying to get at. If I, if, and so when we look at Isaiah um, and we look at sort of his first response to this crisis that happened to him, the first thing he does is he, we've already talked about, which is that, you know, he focuses on the Lord on his throne. And we see that, we see that in the, in the way that he describes him. And, and 
you know, that he says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And I mean, I think we've already talked about that a little bit today, how we can't focus on the leader, but we need to focus on God. And when we focus on God, it leads to this next step. And this is really where I want to camp out for just a moment, guys. And that's the, the step of lament. Um, when, when this all first came out, one of the first things I saw um, our current leadership saying about this report was, we as members of this convention need to grieve and lament and repent and, uh, you know, and it was like grieve and lament. And Jeremiah, I'm just being honest with you. Lament is not a word that I hear a lot in Southern Baptist life. It's not a word that Jeremiah was the king of lamentations. <laughs> yeah. But I, <laughs> but I, we don't hear the, the term lament. And I don't even know if people know what that even means. So let's just unpack that a little bit. We say our first response is to lament. And, and the verse that Jeff used with Isaiah 6, 5, of course, where he says, so I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But the first part of that is, woe is me, right? Um, what, what does it mean to lament? From a Christian perspective here, what, what, when we're telling people we need to lament, um, what, what are we trying to say here? Yeah, I think, uh, just, I mean, that's difficult, but what I would like to say is that if you just lament for lament's sake, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's very unhealthy to be. Uh, it's 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 like grief that you just hold on to grief, and that grief doesn't drive you towards the next step, which is repentance and seeking God. Even if, even if that lament doesn't doesn't drive you to repentance, I think it probably will. But sometimes it it just drives you to a more trust in God, mm-hmm. um, because like. Like with with this situation for the person who's like, I don't personally feel like sorrow or like I was involved. Um, In some ways you were. If you give money to Rosa Sharon, then in some ways you were involved because because part of our monies go to certain things. So like and and we send messengers so like indirectly, you were involved, and that's the problem with like institutional. Like what we're, what we're saying is, is there was an institutional problem. Right. It wasn't problem. There was problems with individuals, obviously, but there's a problem with the institution as a whole. And not to make this political, but that's basically the same argument that that people on the the left side of politics were trying to say about racism, like. You not you may not be personally like racist, mm-hmm. but you've got to see that institutionally there's a problem. There's mm-hmm. a there's a bend against systemic. Yeah, right. And so the same arguments that like people were fighting against were kind of saying, no, we need to we need to lament even if you weren't personally you haven't personally uh, abused your authority over someone or haven't personally covered up anything. There's still this like. Lament. I mean, the same way you feel like when you hit the when you saw the the, the shooting in Texas, mm-hmm. like you're up. The appropriate response should be lament. Like immediate appropriate response. Like you get sick to your stomach. You don't want to like continue. Like the problems you have that for that day. Like your work schedule is just like I don't care. I feel I feel sick. 
I feel like I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. That's appropriate lamenting. So, but that lamenting should lead to. So let me let me press into that a little bit more. Is there a difference between grief and lament? Uh, well, the definition of that lament when he says woe, which is lament, a passionate cry of grief and despair. Okay. It's almost the same. Passionate is there is it but but okay, I so like, in our when, context when I think of when I think of grief, right? It's time I think to grief death. grief often is it feels doesn't feel like it comes with purpose. Um, I mean, sometimes it does. And yeah. Sometimes grief comes with purpose. Like, if I grieve, I'm not necessarily grieving to accomplish something. But it feels like lament is something that is packaged with purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if you look through, like, the biblical laments, you know, there's like a, whoever it is, you know, talking about this happened, you're, you know, you just say how you feel. And then... There's a part where it's almost like, I don't want to say like a process, but it seems like there's some steps in the lament, it almost seems like. Like you say how you feel, um, grieve, and then a part of, then at the end it's like, but I, the lament, the one doing the lament is like, I remember the Lord's promise on this, and mm-hmm. there's almost like a live it out kind of thing. Right. But, and, but like you take the school shooting, for example, you know, I don't think the pro, the first appropriate thing would be like, well, God will work something from it. You know, I don't think that's the right. first appropriate I, in a lament. Well, maybe... Just like maybe now our politicians will do something. It's right. Like, so I think I think okay. I think with the, with, with just yeah. using the school shooting as an example. Yeah. I think the first thing that I that I felt was just sadness yeah. over over the fact mm, that this for happened. Sure, yeah. yeah. You know like, that 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 it happened. But then lament is not just sadness over that it happened, but I'm. It's it's wrong that it happened, right? There's that, an there's, anger built up. There, it, there's you know? there's there's. It, it, it moves from just, you know, the, the the horrific thing that happened with this family and or these families that are broken now who have just lost children who they they just celebrated birthdays and now they're gone and um, to, leads to, you know, why did this happen, right? Mm-hmm. What 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 went wrong that that this that this happened? Um, why you know, um, and and it's a sad. Questioning. It's a sad uh, uh, state of affairs. It's, but it feels like there's, there's, it's not just being sad, but being sad with reason. That that uh, the idea of lamenting, and I think lament. I think that's the reason why lament is tied up with confess, mm-hmm. um, because even here with Isaiah, right? He says, "Woe mm-hmm. is me." And then he says, for I am undone, right? Woe is me. Which is ruined, lost, all these descriptive languages. And here's why I'm undone, right? Here's why I have woe, because I'm a man of unclean lips. That's a confession. Now, if if I'm just grieving for the SBC and our image and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. or that this stuff was made public, that's not, to me, that... To get back to what he was saying, you're just upset and grieving because of your the thing that you've made. I guess I idol into, yeah, yeah. Something and that's, happened to it, and so, so I think in Isaiah's case, uh, the whole purpose was he didn't have anything to do with Uzziah and what happened with Uzziah. Right. He's a prophet, right? And the priests, you know, were the ones that pushed him out and all. And so, but what Isaiah is doing is like. I've seen God in the holiness and what God, I mean, he saw a vision of Jesus mm-hmm. 
And, and the rest of the Isaiah is, is revealing more and more of what, what that Messiah is going to look like and what right. he's going to do. And so then he's grieved over that. And then he's like looking at his own self, like I'm the one that's undone. I'm the one that's unclean and I'm surrounded by unclean people. Right. So even though he didn't have anything to do with Uzziah's downfall, he's looking at his own life. And then we're just, this, it's, this, this is not just a, the king's problem. This is all of our problem. None of us are worthy to stand before a holy God. Right. And, um, you know, even, even though, um, uh, he's providing all this for me, I'm still, I don't feel like I'm worthy of it. I'm doomed. I, I need something to happen because he, if that's all it is, then he's still in his sin. Right. And we're going to see that something does happen that provides right. the forgiveness and all that can only come from an outside agent. So right. I think, the, like what Jeremiah says, the grief and all has to, again, keep pointing back to God, pointing back to yeah. Jesus, not just grieving over, you know, man, I wish this wouldn't have happened to us, and now we got this bad reputation and all that. I think when Lawrence was a good spokesman for uh, the group when on the video I showed about mm-hmm. the news thing, because she said, well, what would you, what would you say? And he said, mm-hmm. first I would say, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And... You know, I wish this wouldn't happen. And right. this is the Church of Jesus. This is not so he was basically doing a public lament confession right there. Right. Um, you know, which is what we need to do yeah. when people approach us about it. Not not get all bowed up, but say, yeah, this was terrible, and we're grieving over it, and we're sure. lamenting over it. And maybe my church wasn't involved, or I didn't have anybody on the list, but but we are involved, and we do have people on the list because we're one body. Yeah. So. So you were about to say something a minute ago, Jeremiah. Did you? you well, yeah, it's kind of off subject, but uh, I guess what I'm personally struggling is like when you say, "I don't know if if the SBC is gonna die," and part of me is like, "I wish it would." Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, and and I I feel a little bit guilty that I feel that way. I don't think you should feel guilty for that. Yeah, but. Not that I, I want the, the, the fall of the SBC. It's my, it's my whole life. Um, I've been SBC my whole life. and uh, But I just, I want change. I want legit change. Mm-hmm. Like, I, not just the change of our name. I want the, the name of the SBC to change. I want so many things to change. But especially, like, the old guard. And, like, like there's talks of a split. And I'm, I'm like, please. I kind of, if, if, if they can't get on board with the Great Commission and us moving past and, and making things that, that help victims and all that stuff, like, okay, let them go. I don't want them. Yeah. We don't need numbers just for numbers' sake. Right. And I, I am, I'm not excited that this happened. I don't want to make that sound. But I embrace what I think is going to happen. I, I have trust and certain people in the SBC that the change moving forward is going to be great. But we, only time will tell that. And yeah. if, if it means we have to die and we have to restart, I embrace that. Like, I'm I'm all on board for that. Yeah. And no, I, I think I, all of us I'm are. With you. I think I mean, I, that's, that's my whole reaction, too. Yeah. And that's why I made that statement. I don't know if we're going to... Uh, I mean... We don't even know if America is even going to survive right. in the next, you know, few hundred, few years or few hundred years. But but yeah. our trust is not in America. Our trust is in Christ. And mm. same thing with us. 
I've always said I was I'm a Christian by by uh, conversion, you know, faith faith in Jesus. I'm a Baptist by conviction. I think when you look at the Baptist faith with baptism and all that, it kind of lines up with I think that's what the Bible teaches. And then I'm a Southern Baptist by choice, so I could choose to be one or I could choose not to be one. You know, that's the free free association, and so. Uh, and that just as SBC in general, it's a it, we're voluntarily far a part of. Yes, it. it's not. There's no oversight for us. Right. We choose to voluntarily cooperate. Right. The problem is, is people should be more upset in this church because by us volunteering, cooperating with this institution, your dollars and your cooperation is being abused, and that's what. That's what should drive you to... Well, and I think that's why overwhelmingly the messengers that came to that convention mm-hmm. voted for the rules to be suspended. So mm-hmm. Because the whole thing was they were wanting to push this back to committee where the, the EC would just investigate themselves and then come back with a report. And they're like, no, 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 that's not what we want. Yeah. And the guy was... A guy plus a guy from North Carolina was the second... They were the ones that made the motion about suspending the rules and all mm-hmm. to to bring this thing where an independent group will come in and and give us the truth and then now let's do something about it. So I think we're in the do something about it phase. And so after it's all over with, maybe it maybe it may exist, maybe it may not exist. But there's still going to be churches. There's still going to be ways of cooperating and coming together. Um, and even if it's smaller. That may be what needs to be done, but like you said, if it's if it's anything that distracts from the main purpose in mm-hmm. the gospel, which I guess is our next point coming up, is it's okay for all that stuff to die away and and be burned off. But um, yeah, but we got to be at that point where you know I don't think we're I th- I think uh, like you said most most people are. They're probably kind of in this first phase here. Uh, and, of course, we're all there. We've all received grace and forgiveness for salvation, but there is grace and mercy to be extended beyond that, too. And I think that's the phase we're going in next, especially with the victims. Mm-hmm. But then the third, the, the second, the next response then is, okay, make, make the focus the primary focus, which mm-hmm. hopefully through all this, then maybe we do become that great commission. Yeah, and uh, that's like if let's say the the SBC splits, like what what would be our criteria for deciding who? And I put that in air quotes for the camera or for the uh, <laughs> microphone. <laughs> d- deciding uh, which leaders we're going to follow. Obviously, we're going to follow. Or even if we want to follow Jesus. anybody. Well, yeah, but the criteria would be which leaders are are promoting the gospel which leaders are are standing on the word of god which leaders are of the true word of god not the not the old interpretation that's getting kind of nuanced but uh and which leaders are are not promoting themselves not looking just for power and so like because i think some people would be like well you just you just started following new leaders new human leaders Mm -hmm. and we're like no we want to we want to follow we're not even following a group. We're we're gonna go with the group that's following Jesus. Yes. Um, and if that means, because part of my struggle, uh, I probably shouldn't say that publicly. Uh, <laughs> I have other struggles because there's people I love that I I don't want to end up on a separate 
scale with, mm-hmm. a separate plane with. Yeah. But at the same time, I have convictions to who I am to follow, and that's Jesus and the Word of God. So, yeah. So, I mean, the big thing about it, too, is um, because each of our entities are separate, like the North American Mission Board separate, the IMB is separate. So, but all of them come together with the funding and all. <clears throat> and so, um, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this impacts then uh, the gospel and getting people to be on board saying, okay, we want to support people that, that want to make, make the gospel known, that are transparent and providing the safeguards and all that other stuff that we need. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it was, it's a huge wake up call for us because every denomination out there in the, in the country and in the world right now are going through something, every single one of them. And um, how they, um, how they come through it is going to be the, um, I mean, because t- technically we're not a denomination, even though we're called a denomination. We're just a, a net, network of churches, if you want to use yeah. modern language. Right. We're a group of 47,000 self, self-owned self franchises yeah. out there with a name Baptist stuck on their door. Or mm-hmm. We don't put the name out there, but we still follow the Baptist yeah, thing. Right. And so, th- so we don't really have a cohesive uh, model where, because I think part of the, the abuse process was the whole thing about church autonomy, and I've got a. I'm going to start really doing some study on that. What what church autonomy really, really, really means? Because I think some people make it mean it's carte blanche, but I don't think what that's what church autonomy actually really means. So no. I think this. I think there's, there's going to be a way of doing what needs to be done so that we can uh, take care of. The victims provide the necessary information for churches to make wise decisions when they hire people and stuff like that, and then uh, move forward with making the focus the main focus, uh, which is trying to reach people for Christ. Um, so, but yeah, so the 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 grace and forgiveness is there. I thought about um, I thought about. Um, not too long ago, when they, there was some website where people could get on, it was a few years back, and they they made all their names got out there somehow, and there was a hack or something. And there was a seminary professor from New Orleans whose name was on the list. And it was basically a meetup thing where if you were wanted to have an affair or adultery, it was mm-hmm. like an adultery thing. Mm-hmm. And he killed himself. Mm. And his wife grieved, and she spoke at the funeral, and she's like, my husband preached grace and mercy and forgiveness. But he didn't see how that was available to him. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. So that's where I feel like we are with the grace and mercy and forgiveness. I think so often we want to give it to one group, but really it's for all the groups. And especially it's for the group that you know was on the receiving end of the abuse and the, um, the abuse of power and all that other stuff. And so um, that's going to be an important thing if, is how, how does that play out? How are we able to, because I mean, it's not really about throwing a bunch of money and saying, okay, we're going to settle with all these different people and all this other stuff, which there's probably going to be a lot of that. But it's, you know, are we going to provide, you know, hotlines and counsel, true counsel and things like that that people can get the help they need to, 
if a case like this exists again. Yeah. So um, th- obviously, this is a, a really meaty topic, and, <clears throat> and we've we've uh, we've spent an hour already talking oh, about that. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so and we've not. The unfortunate part about this is is there is a section that we need that I wanted to get to, but here's what I'm going to do. He's uh, preaching the great. That's what. That, again. Yeah, yeah. You took, so it's going to tell yeah, right I, into. I, it. I was about to. I was about to say that, Jeff. <laughs> so yeah. I think uh, the main thing I had we, about the Great Commission in this particular one was mm-hmm. the thing about it's hard. Now it's going to be harder. How hard it was for Isaiah. That's what I was about to say. And then showing those verses in the New Testament that, that say, yeah. "Okay, this is what Isaiah saw." Yeah. And you see how the message can't, so, can't be heard. So. so yeah, that's what I was that just about. Good. I was about to say. <laughs> you just. <laughs> So Sorry I, about that. No, man. no. What I was, was going to say is stole your thunder. Yeah. So here's what I was going to say. I, I think uh, just looking at it and, and sort of hosting this podcast, I think what we need to do is pause here um, and uh, give our listeners a chance to kind of digest everything we've said up to this point. But understand that yes, there's a second half to your message, which was that our second response has to be recommitting to the gospel. And that's so important, and we, we need to spend some time talking about this, especially in the context of what we just talked about. And yes, you're right. The thing that I really want to talk about, and we can bring this up next week, Jeremiah, when we talk about it, because I know you are going to d- discuss the Great Commission in your sermon this coming Sunday. Um, one of the things we can talk about is how these crises, crises whether they're like we're dealing with the Southern Baptist Convention or with the gun violence, how the crises that are in our culture today is making it an already difficult task that much more difficult. What do we do to, to address that, right? How do, we, how do we move forward? How do we keep, like you said, you know, we need to go and tell, and we need to keep on telling even though people are gonna resist that message. And so, um, you know, how do we go about doing that? What are some practical ways we can do that? And, uh, but unfortunately, we're out of time on this particular podcast, so that's okay. We'll just pause here and we'll pick it up next week. Uh, and we invite you to tune in next week when we talk about all this. Uh, Jeremiah, do you want to say anything else as a, as a teaser for the sermon on Sunday? Uh, no. What well, passage are you going to use? It's uh, First Chronicles 28, oh. which uh, is like David is passing over the torch to Solomon. Solomon. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. But he okay. gives two promises and... Uh, I won't tell you what those two promises are, but that, that's I'm not going to have two points next week. I'm just going to talk about two promises. Okay, cool. So, yeah, two promises. So uh, you can go take take a look at that Second Chronicles and see if you can find those two promises yourself before we get there. So, all right, First Chronicles twenty-eight. Oh, is it First, First Chronicles? Chronicles. First, yeah. I think it's second. I'm not bad. First Chronicles twenty-eight. So uh, go read that chapter and see if you can figure out what he's going to be talking about. Uh, but we'll be back here uh, next week, um, and we'll uh, actually. Uh, it just occurred to me, you won't be able to do the podcast with us because you're going to be going to camp. I will be at youth and camp. You'll well. be at camp too. So <laughs> I'm not sure how we're going to do this yet. So we'll we'll talk about this though, and uh, we may have to put it off for another week. Uh, we'll have to we'll we'll discuss later. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure whether you are to our loyal listeners out there. I don't know whether or not we'll have one next week or not. Uh, so. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> so we'll have to talk about that as a staff. But uh, watch out there uh, on, on uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, and uh, we'll we'll let you know as soon as it posts. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up for today. Then 
Uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for tuning into this one. If you have any questions, always feel free to uh, contact us at rosbcpastors at gmail.com. This has been The Main Point. Have a great week. So long.